Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. Welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach, and once again, I'm joined by Angela. What's up? What's shaking? What's what's happening? What's happening? Um, I'm slowly cooling down. Yeah, it's been the hottest thing ever. I think it's the official. Yeah. Great. In, in Inferno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Inferno, England. It's. Yeah. It's normal now again. Yeah. Like we're back to 20 degrees. Uh, that's kind of great. But the last two days have been painful. Mm, we live in a country where air conditioning is not a thing that we've ever had to think about. Um, no. As a now, people. And the houses are built to retain all the heat. So. Yeah. Because. Pain. Yeah. It, it's like. Yeah, imagine just building an oven, really, because that's what people yeah. live in, in in the UK, is, is literal house ovens. House ovens, yes. House ovens. It's a phrase no one's used before, but I will take it. Um, other than that, it's, you know, it's, what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, 2022. <laughs> the theme of today, sort of. Um so as we normally do our end of year thing and we have a lot to talk about i say normally officially there's only been one bigger than capes end of year podcast but you know shut up um so <laughs> we're, we're trying to do a halfway point type thing or just over halfway point where we'll talk about some of the comic book highlights from the last six months some of the independent comic book highlights we should specify i guess although if if you're here now and you're only just getting the independent spin i guess you've <laughs> you've not been playing along very well at home but you know whatever um stumbled across us from an alternate universe perhaps but we only talk about capes yeah it's just called capes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um we could we could run that podcast on the side if we had more time, I guess. Um, so before we dive into comics, uh, do we should we do a like a, hey other cool stuff from twenty twenty two? Twenty twenty two, we we can do that. It it's been. Can, can you think of anything? Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything that has been because twenty twenty two. It just feels like the twenty twenties generally have been the decade where satire has died and dystopia has taken over. Um, and, you know, do we deserve the good things anymore? But I'm sure there is some good stuff in 2022. I think there must be. Um, I, th- <laughs> I think there must be. That's a thing. Um, it's It's a tough one because... I don't want to just reel off a load of comics we've said are good this year, but there have been some good comics so far. Uh, We also have things like uh, we've had Umbrella Academy Season 3, which I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, which was 
we did. Good, I liked it. Um, I don't know if Will ever finished it. Uh, he's not here to confirm or deny, so I'm just going to assume he has now. Um, but really good. I think as a comic book show, it kind of gives you something that is not in keeping with the comic all the time, which is probably a good thing, considering the comic can be a baffling read at times. So it, It's a good example of a good adaptation. It's a good adaptation of its source material by not adapting it to the letter. Yes, having some freedom to tell your own story within the confines of the Umbrella Academy structure. Yeah. Nice, nicely said. It's the kind yeah. of thing I say now. That's a good <laughs> phrase. Um, I struggle as well because I'm so behind on so many things that it's hard to know what's actually what I'm watching that's actually from this year. Um, we don't normally go Marvel, but uh, I, I liked Doctor Strange. I'm pretty sure that was this year. It's on Disney Plus this year. Hey. Yeah, because it came out in, like, earlier. Earlier and this the, year? Earlier this year. I'm sure it did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Unless that's I, true. Yeah. I, may have I, I get I confused because I saw Spider-Man. Spider-Man came out before Christmas, right? Yes. And I, I think I went to the cinema to see it in, like, March. So my, my, my kind of... Con, um, my kind of understanding of all these Marvel films is pretty... Pretty touch and go. I just I don't really know when anything came out. No, there's there's all I know is there's always a Marvel film. There is, and all that really changes is how much I care. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I know there's a new Thor film out, but I forget there's a new Thor film out. Basically, constantly, and then I'm surprised that someone mentions it. Yeah, I I keep seeing, you know, the constant internet debate because internet debates are so nuanced and mm. delicate and so full of people understanding each other. Um, that's the other reason I know, because I keep getting hot takes um, reading social media about how good or bad it is, how gay it is, how not gay it is, how Taika Waititi is the greatest creator of all time, how he's not how he should just go back to other things. It's, it's constant. So it, it ceased to become a film for me now, and it's more just a subject of too much discourse. At fair. I have managed to avoid much of that by just not looking at Twitter that much. <laughs> wise, very wise. Um, it's got, really got me thinking, though, about what's going on in the world. I don't go there. I, I wish I knew more of what was actually happening in 2022, like TV wise, but I feel like I just don't. I think I. No. TV and film, I'm just not really playing along, which was. Uh... I mean, things have come out on Disney Plus. I mean, mm. that was what was interesting was because Disney Plus have been trying to sort of balance their content like not releasing too much and they do a weekly release so people don't binge it etc but they seemed to put so they put obi-wan kenobi on and then they seem to sneak ms marvel in there as well 
And I did. No one realised that Ms. Marvel was a thing happening because Obi-Wan Kenobi was still going at that point. So it felt a little bit like Disney... I mean, admittedly, those two audiences are probably different. I can't see the hardcore Obi-Wan Kenobi fans being into Ms. Marvel. But it still felt a little bit like, should you really be overlapping these two properties when there is some overlap with the audience? So you're just not... How is this working now? I am inclined to agree with that. I... It's really difficult because I, I'm quite Marvel burnt out. I think I'm quite... This is going to be... Contra- <laughs> well, yeah. This is perhaps controversial on a comic book podcast, but I'm, I'm quite, like, nerd culture burnt out. I... <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like nerd culture now just wants to regurgitate itself constantly. It's It doesn't feel like there is enough new content, or the new content that is coming out isn't interesting because we're all burnt out on the regurg... I mean, I didn't need an Obi-Wan Kenobi series, Disney. I didn't. I get frustrated with the treatment of Star Wars and that everything is Jedi and all roads lead back to Luke Skywalker. It's like you have an entire galaxy and you're choosing this tiny... Tatooine must be the most highly trafficked planet in the whole galaxy. <laughs> like, you know, and it feels like you're not doing anything new or interesting with this stuff. And it's kind of the same with the films to a certain extent, the Marvel films, because they don't feel like they're doing the original thing. I mean, Doctor Strange did, but, yeah. you know, but you still want more, I don't know, I want them to push the boundaries a little bit. I want nerd culture to get out of the little box that it's sitting in, which I think is possibly the fault of social media. Social media is probably part of the reason for that. But it does feel like nerd culture as a whole, it's gone more mainstream, but it's also gone back in on itself and you're getting more gatekeeping and people are just like... I want, I want, basically it's like walking into a restaurant and demanding the same McDonald's you had when you were five years old because you remembered how great it was the first time you ate fries. It's It's true. That's what, that's why. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, Well, that feels like what nerd culture is doing to itself. And I think that's why so many people are getting burnt out on it is because it isn't doing enough to push itself out and, you know, it would be nice to go into a restaurant and try something else, culturally speaking. I, I agree. And I think the Mar- perhaps my problem with Marvel specifically is I don't read every Marvel comic. No. Because that's how this works. I know people that do. Mm. And, and they only read Marvel comics because there's 50 new issues every month and you have to yeah if you if that's what you're going to read you have to read that but with the tv show and film experience it's very much become a you watch every film you see every tv show you know yeah because it's such a rich tapestry yeah and nothing against it individually i i've i've mostly liked every marvel film or tv show not not eternals um no one liked no one liked it or in humans no one liked in humans 
That's true. Uh, that is true. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think overall there is a there is a hierarchy of like which parts of it I actually care about and which parts I'm watching because they exist and. I've had a lot of people talk to me about how good Moon Knight was and I gave up two episodes in and the the freedom of stopping. I've, I've talked about this on other podcast episodes, but the freedom of giving things up, giving up physical single issues, giving up on series that I don't like is really rewarding because it just giving up on Moon Knight two hours in basically tells me like I've got eight hours of my life back. Yeah, I think that's the other problem is there's this nerd culture pressure that you must finish. You must watch all the things and you must finish all the things in order to keep up with the general conversation. And it's like, well, no, no, people should just be able to pick and choose what, you know, they watch and what they read. And but like I said, like Marvel's, it is, it's a ridiculous output a month. Mm. and it's like you can't read all of that you just well you can but that leaves you have a limited amount of time in your life why waste it on something it's like people who plow through books that they hate and they're like i've read 400 pages of this book and that's all that time and i'm never gonna get it back and at the same time it's like um why did why didn't you just give up and go and read something else that you might have enjoyed it's it's okay to back down. It's okay to not finish. Yeah, it's it's okay to just give give things up. That's fine. If you know, if, if Marvel comics or Star Wars are hurting you, you can stop. It's, I encourage you to stop. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's like there is a new Thor film out. I probably won't go and see it because. I, d- I don't have the urge to. I loved Thor Ragnarok. I thought it was a really good film. I had a lovely time. But yeah. for me, if that's where the story ends, that's where the story ends. I don't need to see past that. Not even Jane Foster Thor's going to push me to do that. But I'm fine with what I've I've sampled over the years. I'm fine with what I have watched I don't feel the urge to add to it right now. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think I I saw Spider-Man in the cinema months after the point. And I saw Doctor Strange in Spain with, like, a largely empty cinema screening because... Uh, and again, I think I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, the actual cinema experience and the online over-analysis of every single minute detail of every oh, God, superhero yeah. film, there is no joy left. And you, you've been involved in conversations I've been where people have asked us to rank our top 10 Marvel films so we can, from our, a group of people we know, decide the absolute best Marvel film. And we were asked to do that with Star Wars as well. And the discussion about which was the best Star Wars film 
was one of the most like the the, the official agreed upon ranking of Star Wars films amongst people we're friends with was one of the most depressing conversations I have ever been a part of. Same. Same. Because <laughs> I was there. I do I think that's the problem, is it's like people need to find some kind of inherent value in all of this. And it's like, dude, it's a popcorn flick. It's fine. Yeah. It doesn't have to be great art. And it's like when they go on and on about wanting representation in Disney films or Marvel films or, you know, whatever pop culture thing. They want, you know, representation. And yes, we should have diversity and inclusivity. But what they're doing is missing out on the actual inclusive and diverse independent stuff that's already out there. Like, you can go and watch... You can watch a film with gay protagonists in. You don't have to be satisfied with two rock men holding hands. This, Which is apparently what happens in Thor. Love and Thunder. Again, internet discourse. But it's like, you know, there are all kinds of really interesting takes on stuff. Queer culture, black culture, Asian culture that are out there. But there's this constant need to be validated by the big studios like... If it's in a Disney film, then, you know, it's good. And yes, there should be representation in a Disney film. There should be inclusivity. But for the love of God, don't just watch those to try and get your diversity fix because there's a vast world out there in television and film that has the things you're actually looking for. God forbid you should go out and find them and enjoy them and have that. And, you know, yes, the bigger films have the global reach and all the rest of it, but... Also, if you want to see yourself represented on the screen, go out and support those small independent things that have you represented on the screen, because Mm. that then sends a message that people want to see this content. You going to see a Disney film, you know, and hope that, you know, two women will hug each other and there'll be some subtext that isn't going to encourage thing that's not going to encourage change that's not going to encourage culture to go forward you go out and see a film about a love story about two women and that does well then that signals to it's all about money it's an industry that's going to signal to the people higher up oh actually people do want to see this content maybe we should make it help yourself people ramped over (laughs) i really didn't think this was the space we would get in when we asked the question of 2022 what's been good but i I think you raise a lot of valid points so yeah (laughs) there we go 2022 (laughs) do better (laughs) do better do better in 2022 um yeah we've only actually flagged umbrella academy but uh that that was good and I feel like that was the peak of twenty twenty two at this point, but I, I think there's been other good stuff. I think there's been some good music in twenty twenty two and yeah. um I think that's basically true of every year though. So I mean I'm still doing my ridiculous project of trying to <laughs> trying to choose my favourite album of every year forever. And that's hard. That's insane. I yeah. I'm, I may never really come to terms with the challenge I am doing and every list for every year gets longer constantly and changes all the time. But 2022 has been good, especially in the kind of indie rock kind of territory. Um, if anyone really wants to hear more about that, I uh, 
<laughs> I'll do you a post or a podcast or something. I don't know. Hit me up. Um, but yeah, I, I think whilst I haven't seen all the things I want to see or read all the things I want to read, I think there has been some good stuff. And with that said, as we are like 20 minutes in now, should we yeah. talk about the comics? That Probably should talk about the comics and not my rant at pop culture. Yeah, I mean, we've both ranted about pop culture today. <laughs> it's, it's par for the course now. Um, so... We basically, we, we didn't want this to be the longest podcast in the world, so we're basically picking a book each that has finished this year, a book that is still ongoing, so probably started last year or the year before, and a book that is relatively new, so probably a few issues in that started in 2022. Um, we are going to try and put together a kind of expanded version of this for the yeah. website that will cover in written form uh a wider hey this has been cool so far this is new this is ongoing and at the end of the year mm. there will be the full roundup thing we en- we normally end up doing a podcast and uh article and an article that. yeah you can um, you can check out last year's article on biggerthancapes.com you can and if, if you like our pop culture rants and our <laughs> <laughs> and our um, recommendations and search and podcasts, you can support us over on Coffee, Kofi, Kofi. Go check those things out and search. Click, click the link as many God, times I'm, as you wish. I'm getting better at this, I think. <laughs> so self promotion. Um, <laughs> thank you. I was going to start with our finished books. I thought that. Progression, finished, ongoing, yeah. new, you know. Yeah, I've, I've cheated with all these categories. <laughs> of course. But carry you know. on. Um, so, would you like to start with a book that's finished, or do you want me to start? Or I don't mind. I'm quite happy to, to start. Yeah, did you know? So, the book I finished, or the book that was finished that I picked for this, was um, The Good Asian. Yes. Written by Pornsack uh, Pickershout, who. I interviewed on this very podcast. Uh, the art was by Alexandra Tefenki. Leela Fridge did the colours and Jeff Powell did the letters. So The Good Asian um, started in 2021, but the first... I've kind of cheated because um, the main character will return. Um, but when it first started, it was sort of a single to trade and done things so the second trade came out this year and the last issue came out this year so it's finished um so it's a 10 issue run and it follows edison hark who is a chinese american detective he's based in hawaii he goes home to california um he is summoned by his white adoptive family the caraways um ivy the maid um has gone missing and he has to investigate her disappearance. It's set in the 1940s, so there is not a 1940s. Yes, it is the 1940s, 30s, 40s. Have faith in yourself, Andrew. You know what years is. Um, <laughs> so it covers quite a bit of sort of racism, um, and it looks at it like I say, it comes from the perspective of a Chinese American who basically was adopted by this rich white family and so he had privilege that he wouldn't normally have experienced in his position 
Um, there's various characters. There's Lucy from Chinatown who comes in a bit later, and she's a really interesting female character. Um, and this sort of disappearance of Ivy. There's murders as well. Should have mentioned there's lots of murder, lots of death. Um, Can't have a noir without it. Nope, it's very noir. It's if you've read any 1940s, 50s detective pulp fiction, um, this is this is it. Um, but it's also tackling really, you know, really quite deep things like racism and identity um, and sort of just the world generally, as well as sort of mixing in all these interpersonal relationships and sort of the tension. It's, it's really, really well done. There's a lot of surprises in it because there were several twists and turns that I didn't see coming. And I'm speaking as someone who's, who's read quite a bit of noir, who's watched quite a few noir films. And I was still really surprised by the different ways this went. So it is a good book. It's sadly very relevant today. <laughs> um, Many of the themes of racism are unfortunately still very relevant to what's going on in the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, although it is set in the past, it is very much a 2022 kind of a book um, because it is very relevant to today. There's all sorts of really cool historical facts as well included in the back of each issue that's then sort of additional material and trades. Um which describes sort of how the Asian uh, American immigrant experience went. And it was it, it was a bit of a history lesson as well, because I had no idea as, you know, a white person living in England. I had no idea how that went down. Um, but, yeah, it was very revealing. So it's good writing. The art's really noir as well. The You know, there's lots of shadowy moments. And there's, you know, a bit of gun fighting and... You know, your classic your classic man getting beaten up in an alley. Everyone loves some of that stuff. Love a good um, alley beating. I it's like good, it. Isn't it. It's good, isn't it? It's good. So there's some of that going on. Um, so the art's really good. Just even, you know, the designs, it feels very 40s. There's like a 40s nightclub in Chinatown that's really, really a great page, just a splash page of that. Um, the colours are really good as well. So the colours help sort of set the tone and, you know, there's uses of blues and greens and then reds and yellows and it's just really, really nicely done. Um, so, yeah, it's a well put together book that is relevant to our times, um, but it's also a really good example of how comics can sort of break out of the classic superhero mould and take another genre, which in this case is noir, and do something really interesting and relevant with it. Mm. And there you go. I think you've nailed it, really. Um, I still haven't read the second half of this. I've only read the first trade. I undoubtedly will finish it sometime soon. We'll probably do a podcast about it sometime soon. Um, But yeah, really good stuff. Um, I think both writing and art are pretty great. And I agree. I think it shines a light on a historical period that we don't really talk about and events that kind of get overshadowed by other world events from the 40s and yeah you know I I guess there's reason for that but yeah it's also something that it's good to have more information about yeah it 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 is really I have learned things I like it when I learn stuff when I read comics nice when we come away from things with some new knowledge 
Yes. Um, yeah, definitely agree. Uh, good series. I My first pick, and uh, stop me if you've heard this one. <laughs> <laughs> I know what's coming, but carry yeah, on. Yeah, it's, it's Homesick Pilots. I'm shocked. Shocked, <laughs> I say. Um, finished a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, and the f- third trade came out uh, this past Wednesday. Um, Homesick Pilots is basically a 15-issue series by Dan Waters, Casper Wingard, and Aditya Bidakar, writing, art, and colouring, and lettering, respectively. There are other people involved who've done, like, production and graphics Design. and stuff. Tom Muller and Erica Schnatz on production. Um, it is... See, now I don't want to be just repeating the same stuff I say all the time, but I'm going to. Uh, it's the story of um, three kids in California, uh, Amy, Buzz and Rip, who are in a kind of underground punk band. Amy gets caught up in wanting to put a gig on at a supposedly haunted house, only to discover that the house is haunted then gets sent on a mission by the house to collect ghosts that have been taken from the house because they haunt specific objects like a horseshoe or a refrigerator or, I don't know, a Gundam action figure, things like that. And Amy has to track all these things down to restore the house, which, without too much explanation, leads to big haunted house mech battles and kind of digs into some bigger themes of kind of belonging and feeling kind of lost within yourself I guess and identity and we get into some really odd space later on about kind of the guilt of America and nuclear testing and stuff like that and that gets kind of away from me at that point of I don't know how to (laughs) explain that without giving away too much of the plot and but at the core of it I think it's a really good character book about three punk kids and some ghosts and I can honestly say that the main ghost we have only has the bottom half of his face and somehow they still managed to put him, like, convey emotion and that's really impressive. Casper uh, Wingard's art throughout is just amazing consistently. I think his colouring really works. I think sometimes he's colored, his art is coloured by other people who kind of don't go in a direction that makes it as good as it could be i think when he's coloring here with kind of a lot of purples and pinks and neons and pastel colors i understand that neon and pastel are contradictory but you know what i mean um i think he makes a really really pretty comic book and i think it's some of dan's best writing maybe he's best writing i think yeah i think i've read all of dan waters comics at this point and i think this is the best one um, I mean, by all means, go check them all out and tell me I'm wrong, but, <laughs> you know, 
jokes on you i just want you to read more of his books um but no i really like this i can't really find any flaw with it it's been one of those comics that every month i've been waiting for i was surprised it was only going to be a 15 issue run but i think it doesn't outstay its welcome and i know there's been some hints that there might be more much like with the good asian yeah it's kind of left as a you know ghosts and punks will return perhaps so I'm, I'm down with there being more of this but as a core series of like 15 issues i think this works as what it is and feels really authentic and heartfelt and apparently i'm just trying to sell this to punks now by saying words like that but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just I, I don't know what to tell you it's it's the best comic of the last year and well Okay, we, we've said that about a lot of books now. It's been my favourite comic of the last year, and I strongly recommend everyone pay attention to me and goes to read this. Ghosts and punk. Punk and ghosts. Ghost punks. Yeah. Anything no. you would like to add? Or... I've not quite finished the last few issues. I'm nearly up today. I need to catch up with it now it's finished. Because um, I can now read it in a trade format, which is um, better than trying to track down all the singles. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Um, but no, certainly the first two volumes that I have read, I've read more than once. Because mm. it's just good, isn't it? It's... Yeah, I, I think so. And... I, it's definitely something that I will reread. I have the, we have the singles digitally. Um, I've read and bought both the trades that are out. Well, I need to buy the third trade. Um, I'm going to say the same things I've said multiple times. Uh, image, I want a three-in-one hardback. Yep, please. Um, Casper and Dan, I want prints of some of the covers. Oh, God, yeah. Um, Certainly the best the best covers of any book of the last at least five years. And they all match, and I'm really yeah. into that. Um, but yeah, I, I want some prints of some of the covers. Even if it's just the first cover, that's fine. Um, at cons or uh, online or whatever. And I think uh, Homesick Pilots and Nuclear Bastard t-shirts, I think. Print them up. I'll buy them all. Again, cons or online, whatever you guys want to do, merch me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sell all the merch. <laughs> I just want stuff for the comics I like. I think this is this is a, a... We get merch for some things that I don't understand. Like a few years ago, uh, when Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans launched Die, you could get t-shirts that were literally just mm. the Die logo on. Yeah. Which, sure, if you're really into die, sure, go to your comic book shop and buy them. Trust me, they still have them. But they were, like, totally adequate shirts. Not like, stop everything, this is cool. Casper's art is cool. Homesick Pilots and Nuclear Bastards are both amazing band names. Yeah. I, I, I say make the merch. and <laughs> It's weird to me that I can buy as many Savage Dragon or Spawn t-shirts as I want, but if I want something from, like, the last two years, no. No, 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 no. Print it myself. And that, that would violate copyright. 
So they the tell more. Yeah, if you don't want us to pirate things, give us the things. Make the merch so I don't have to make my own merch. Yeah. Um, and on that surrealist line, <laughs> not even that surreal. It's not like I walked into the room and I've got like a goat's head or something. I don't know. <laughs> From a haunted house. I was trying to make some kind of surrealist imagery, and now, now but as soon as I said that, I stopped envisioning me with like the head of a goat and me like carrying a goat's head under one arm. (laughs) Your delay, yeah, walking along with a goat's head. Oh dear! I I wish no no goats were harmed in the (laughs) making of this surrealist image. I hope I hope the people who listen to this th- think I'm as funny as I think I am. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna have to take a moment now. Get over that. Right. Oh dear, should we move on then? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. So, would you like to hit us with your ongoing series? It doesn't involve goats. Um, yes. Yeah, so again, I've cheated. Um, <laughs> it's not I'm, ongoing and it didn't start in 2022. No, no. Well, it started in 2022. That much is true. But I don't know how ongoing it's going to be because it's a Valiant book and generally... Oh, great. Right, okay. It's probably you know, already finished. <laughs> that we know, I definitely know there's going to be at least... There's going to be five issues at least. So... I'm thinking two arcs, possibly, so we might get maybe eight or nine. But the point is, is at this point in time, we've only had three issues. There's still at least another two issues. Therefore, it is ongoing. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, that's good. Luck I'm gonna it. go with. I'm gonna go with that. Um, so it is Archer and Armstrong, best friends forever. Um, Wait, is that I'm, what this book's called? Well, no, that's what I call it. It's. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, or is it? I'm gonna have to double check that. The problem is, is I've been calling it that in my head so often that I it's think, kind I of. I think it's just Archer and Armstrong. It forever. is. I'm pretty sure you're right, and I just, I just like to call it Best Friends Forever because I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, it is. It's Archer and Armstrong Forever, right? So, I like to call it Best Friends Forever because that really is. Anyway, that's the point. So it is Archer and Armstrong Forever. Um, it is written by Steve Fox. The breakdowns, whatever they are, um, are done by Phil Hester. I apologise in advance to the art team because I am liable to mangle your names. Um, but the art is done by Marcio Ferrito. Um, the colours are done by Alex Gumeres. And the letters are done by Hassan Otsmain Allahu, everybody's favourite. Um, I'm just going to shout out to Bernard Chang for doing all the covers, because they're good covers. They've been good covers, that's, that's very true. So, Archer and Armstrong Forever, basically, it's, it's not perhaps newbie-friendly per se, but I think it's new enough. So, Armstrong is uh, basically immortal. Uh, long story he's an immortal drunk um he's one of the annie praddy brothers so um yes he long story short there was there was something called the boon that granted him 
immortality to a certain extent so he got the life energies of thousands upon thousands of people which meant that he's been able to recover from all kinds of injuries um and he's basically drunkenly meandered through history um archer was brought up by a cult and he was brought up to kill armstrong um but when he they met he didn't kill him he's rehabilitating him he realized his parents had lied to him um so he goes out he teams up with armstrong and chaos and adventures ensue so that's the basis of the reboot uh there is an archer and armstrong who have a vaguely similar origin um uh, from the 1990s valiant but that origin i've just described is from fred van lenty's room uh from 2012 um so yeah adventures ensue there was a run some time ago called A&A that we'd speak not of. So this book picks up um, with Armstrong uh, basically gets into a fight with some people with garden tools who are trying to steal his bag, which is vaguely magical. It has many things in. He gets his ear cut off and it doesn't grow back. So Archer is now absolutely distraught in many ways that his best friend Armstrong is going to you know die um armstrong sort of a bit more resigned to it like i knew the boom wasn't going to last forever eventually i was going to run out of chances um but basically archer armstrong forever is about archer's desire to prolong the life of his friend so they go traveling trying to find a way to restore armstrong's immortality um and basically at the by the third issue they've ended up back in the far away where they had adventures um in the original van lenty run not to give too much away so it's one of valiant's more humorous books <laughs> there's no bloodshot here people um it is fun it's it's the best the these van lente's run is so iconic and so good in terms of the characterization of Archer and Armstrong and their dynamics. And what's really good is that this harks back very much to that tone. So you get the strong friendship between them. Um, you get the fact that, you know, Armstrong is the more worldly one and yet he's terrible at taking care of himself. Archer's the more, you know, was brought up in a cult environment, didn't see much of the world, but he's the one that cares more and is more open to people. Um, and it just absolutely nails the characters and their relationship. And as someone who got into Valiant through Archer and Armstrong back in the day, um, God, a decade has passed. Um, it's really good to see these two characters being revisited by Valiant, who have focused perhaps a little bit more on the more dramatic characters um, in the last 12 months. So it's nice to see them back. It's nice to see a bit more humour in the Valiant universe. And it's just a lot of fun. The art's really good. The art's a lot of fun as well. Fits perfectly with um, the characters and the tone. Mm. Um, it's it's really nice. They, you know, the little action shots is quite good. Um, you know, the fact that they've drawn Arch, sorry, Armstrong in his underwear, missing an ear. I mean, props to that. The sight of it. Um, the lettering's really good. Obviously, would be. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's only three issues in at the moment. It could all go down horrendously downhill, but it is now the Valiant book. That not that there are many Valiant books at the moment because pretty much this is the only one now because um, the others are finished. Yeah, um, I think so, right? 
yeah, Armour Clads has just finished, so it is just Archer and Armstrong. But it's one of those, like you said, with Homesick Pilots, it's one I've looked forward to every month. So mm. I'm delighted to have Archer and Armstrong back um, and it be a really good, solid, valiant book, which we've said so many times, valiant. The last few years have been rough, um, but it's nice to see them actually putting out good books. And I think this is probably their best offering of 2022. I'll allow it. <laughs> For me. I mean, I know the, you know the Harbinger was dealing with Harbinger was dealing with all kinds of deep sort of, but it had Peter in, and no one likes Peter, so automatically, that, I know. Says the, <laughs> I say this to a person wearing a Harbinger T-shirt. I mean, I. I, I, I want to make it perfectly clear to anyone who sees me in the Harbinger t-shirt in, in the future. I own this purely because it's the Jeff Lemire variant cover, and I just like that. I like that his variant cover for the first issue of Harbinger looks like he's done it with a blue and red biro on, like, a sheet of notebook mm. paper and then sent it in, like, whatever, Don't. the new cover. Um, yeah. I, I, I like do not like Peter that, that much. I Nobody does. Nobody does. Um, so, yeah, you've got that. You, Armour Clad has been good, but I think nowhere near the level that Arch and Armstrong forever is. So, mm. And I want there to be Arch and Armstrong forever. So don't yeah. let me down, Steve Fox. Don't let me down. I I, I agree. I It's Arch and Armstrong. It's good. It's second only in my heart to Quantum and Woody and... Never can we have the two at the same time mm. ever, ever again, apparently. We we had it once and that no. was enough. We're full now. Um, yeah, we, we gave you the delinquents. Move on. Yeah. I, I, I like to think that, the success, that, that this will be successful enough to make people think, hey, we could, well, make Valiant think, hey, we could roll out some more Quantum Woody and some more delinquents and yeah. some more crossover titles, I think. It's a shame when, well, one, it's a shame that we we get such infrequent Valiant at the moment, and and two, it's a shame that we get a lot of like straight faced serious Valiant, like. Yeah, I mean that's what it's. I mean the EXO run was quite good. I think the EXO run we had last year balanced. Yeah. That that the balance there was really good. I enjoyed that. We also but, dealt with international terrorism. <laughs> so it wasn't entirely as you do no. um, but it does feel like and also you know we've got bloodshot for mature readers coming up um which gives me bad nights flashbacks um and we're having what looks like a more serious exo in later in the year as well book of shadows is coming and that's that's not a happy place that's not a happy book yeah, that's not going to be all last no, all the time. No, that's think. not sunshine either. So it is, I want Valiant to go with that light stuff because in a way I think the light stuff crosses over better. I think Quantum and Woody Narch and Armstrong work well together. I'm not as convinced about some of the crossovers that are potentially out there. Having the said that... The crossovers are out there. The crossovers are out there. But, like, I mean, I think Book of Shadows will work because you're bringing together the supernatural side, so they've all got something in common. Mm. Um, but I don't think you could ever, like, cross over, I don't know, Harbinger. I think you'd struggle to cross over Harbinger and Shadow Man. 
to a... Ooh, that's a, that's a challenge. Controversial! Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it would be nice to sort of set up little groups in their universe. Because remember, this is the same universe where children are kidnapped and die. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous, but true. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have laughed at that, but it's just... It's true, it's true. The way you framed that was tired. <laughs> Generation Zero, never forget, never forgive, never forget. Um, but yeah, it feels like it would be nice if they had little pockets where the supernatural guys have a little bit of a team up and have, you know, something, and the more humorous guys have a team up and the more superhero-y guys have a team up and just kind of play it like that and have it within a universe, but like little pockets, little pocket universes. Is it a pocket universe is a thing, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> Have so they tell me. Um, I I agree. I, I mean, I've already said I agree, so I'm not just gonna just keep saying the same <laughs> things. Um, which brings us to my ongoing yes. um surprise entry in ongoing is because I only read the like trade and such like recently, like. <laughs> Keep saying like. Like. Get proper. Get proper oh, mank about it, like. Um, so. I can't predict this now, can't. Go on. Way back in November of 2021, we read the first p- issue of What's the Furthest Place from Here? So we did. Uh, which is written by Matthew Rosenberg. It is drawn by Tyler Boss. And it is lettered by Hassan Otsmain Alahu. Yay! Um, it is a series that has perplexed me on... I, I think we, we finished that first issue on the podcast and came away with a kind of, it's good, I wonder what it's about. And <laughs> Very much, yes. So I'm going to try and keep this short, but it's not going to be. So... We're basically in a post-apocalyptic world where the only survivors are kind of children and teenagers who have formed groups based around quite loose concepts. So the main family we follow are the Academy, who are basically punk kids. Stop me if you see a theme here. Who (laughs) have kind of based their... I don't know, group characters around music and each person, each family member basically seeks out the record that will like define them. So for some people it's, you know, cool stuff like Huskadoo or Big Black or Green Day. And for the, for the, and this is where it gets weird for who would be the main character, Sid, she chooses Hall and Oates, <laughs> which is kind of adorable in itself. And um, but the main premise is that I say the main premise. I don't know what the premise is. That's this is oh, this is going to be so hard. So Sid is quite visibly quite pregnant. Yeah, I remember this. But seemingly, because everyone's kids. And has always been kids. They don't really know anything about that. They just keep saying that she's sick. Because I guess in a, in a way she is. Um, 
And basically, someone who has left because he turned 18 called Slug stumbles back into the Academy's lives, bleeding to death with a map to the city. Um, which is something that most members of the Academy and some of the other families just flat out do not believe there is a city. So Sid sneaks off in the night, we think, or is taken, it's unclear, and appears to be heading to the city. In that, in, in the things that happen, it comes across that they have basically, the Academy have broken a bunch of the rules of the other families in the area, and fall afoul of big business who are these kind of kids who live in a bank who wear like pig masks make of that what you want um the boys in blue or they're, they're called the first time they're definitely called the boys in blue and then later on they're referred to like as the blue boys or something else as if the boys in blue i don't know they the name, yeah, they get a rebranding, who are basically just, like, kid police officers. And we're told that there are these things called the Strangers, who are, like, weird, veiled figures who apparently supply food. And it's all very enigmatic. And basically, the Academy set out to try and hunt down Sid and what has happened to her constantly breaking rules and getting into weirder situations and meeting increasingly bizarre families as they go. We're seven issues in at the moment. The first six are out in trade. Every issue ends, and I have absolutely no idea where it's going to go in, in the following issue, which which is kind of its own reward at this point i think we've seen so much post-apocalyptic like fiction in the last 10 years and like young adult stuff as well there's been so many adapt adaptations and stories where everyone's a teenager and stuff like that but i don't think it's ever everyone's a teenager there's always authority figures are adults but for some reason teenagers solve all the problems that isn't that how real life works true yeah very true. Um, but this, I don't know, th there is something intriguing about just legitimately not knowing what this book is about. And there are no solid hints as to what has caused the end of the world. And they walk past a tank at one point and like a massive hole in the ground, but it's never acknowledged. And there's hints that there was a war where all the adults killed each other. But is that true? And... There's this weird cynicism where is there a city? Is there a bigger world or is there just not? And also it's Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss and four kids walking to the bank is perfection. So I was obviously right. going to be here for this. Also, de uh, Dead Dogs Bark. Tyler Boss is like yeah. Twin Peaks-esque. Is very good. Thing I don't even know what yeah. what it was. It was just a really good I, graphic novel. I, I I read it. I, Dead dogs I, bites. Not that's bark. it. Dead dogs bite. Yeah, so it's very good. There was there was a little bit of I don't know what I just read, but I enjoyed mm. it about that as well, but in a good way. It's also here, so yeah, I guess that's just a thing they're doing. I also 
Um, I really liked Matthew Rosenberg's X-Men, which came to an end because, um, well, Jonathan Hickman is the X-Men now. And, uh, yeah. I really liked what Rosenberg was doing. I like Matthew Rosenberg as a creator. I think he does good stuff that can often be kind of weird and kind of punk. A lot of punk today. There's also going to be more ghosts, so brace yourself. <laughs> I'm glad you stuck to a theme in this. Yeah, I've, I've really committed. I think if I have a Halloween, th- like if I do like a Halloween party or something this year, I think my theme is being punk and ghosts. <laughs> punk and ghosts. Yeah, I, no explanation. Right. You can be a punk ghost. You can be a ghost that's punk. You can, <laughs> you can be one or the other. Choose your own adventure on that. But yeah, uh, Halloween is all about punk ghosts this year. Um, I don't know. Have you read? Did you just read the first issue and then? I just read the first issue because I came away very confused. Um, But now you've said all that, I may go back and read some more. That's that's all I'm here for. I'll probably still be very confused. Oh, God, yeah. And that's something I, I didn't I meant to mention. Every issue is like 60 pages. Yeah, I remember the first issue was really long. And, and I thought that was like a first issue deal, but no, they're all this this first trade is like 250 pages long. It is long for a first volume. And every every issue, I don't even know if there's more content than there would be if these were 30-page issues. I think it's just Tyler Boss gets to do more of his art you know how he has a tendency to kind of use a lot of panels of yes so just a lot of panels kind of focusing on detail and focusing on expressions and stuff that lets them tell the story the the way i guess they really wanted to which is obviously a good thing indeed yes would you like to move on to your new thing um yes so what, i've not what cheated. Rule have you broken this time oh, okay. i've not cheated it's kind of ironic um so my new thing is guilt or g-i-l-t depending on how you want to pronounce the title i've been um, saying it as guilt but i've been saying it as guilt even though it's an acronym but that's what we have acronyms for to make words out of other words um this. so uh, the writer is kind of sad, the only female writer I've got on my list. Um, Alyssa Quitney. The art is by Morissette and the letters is by Rob Steen. So guilt is... I'm trying to describe this without giving away the plot. So there is... Welcome there to is, my world. Yeah. Except I couldn't give away the plot if I tried for... You, you couldn't with the last one. Um, so there is this like, youngish, anyone under 50 is young, I've decided, right, um, <laughs> person called Trista, who goes to the apartment of this older lady called Hildy, um, who clearly has a lot of regrets in her life, um, in the year 2017, this will be important later, um, basically, Hildy got the apartment off another lady, who initiated her into the guild of Lady Time Travellers. And she initiates Trista into this. But, you know, things go a little bit awry. awry, And both of them end up in 1973. And when you time travel, you end up in the body 
of your previous self back then. So Hildy's now a young woman and Trista's nine years old. Um, but she's not. She's mentally, she's her 2017 self, but physically she's stuck in the body of her nine-year-old self. And if you are too long in the time period, then you start to become more like the age you were during that time period. But if you do something that you of that period wouldn't do, um, then you get flung back into your present-day body. Um, so basically, Hildy's gone back in time, all to do with her marriage to Mr. Man, um, because she doesn't think that she should marry him. Something happened. It ruined her life. She thinks that this is the problem, that she shouldn't have married him or she should have married him. Or I think it's that she shouldn't. I can't remember which way. Because things change, because flexible timelines... Um, but basically the two of them going back kind of breaks space time a little because that's one of the big rules of time travel is only one of you goes back at once and if two of you do things break so kind of space time's unraveling a little bit a pan am a pan am jet from 1973 ends up in 2017 being chased down by military planes um tris has got to deal with the fact that you know there's her mom um and you know she's been involved with mr man's stuff um but she's got a lot of mum she's got a lot of mother issues um so trista's trying to deal with all that hildy's dealing with her problems so although it's a time travel story it's a lot about also your personal relationships mm-hmm. um there's all sorts of stuff as well because we see flashbacks into like the 90s the 80s and the 90s and what both of them were up to during those periods and some of that stuff comes back later and becomes relevant there's a whole bit with a pigeon that falls through time um there is just, I love time travel stories to begin with. And this is just <laughs> really, really clever. Like little details come back and become really important later on. And characters who appear become important. And you're tracing the characters through. And it's, I just really love it a whole bunch. Um, the art's really good. So the art just nails the 70s. Like 1973 in art form is right there. Um, the 2017 stuff's really good as well, but all the period details there, mm. um, and they're all like really, even just like the lamps in the apartments, it's just the fashion. The, I mean, I know Matt went on when we did it in the roundup about the, the fashion and the clothes, but it's true. They're really good. It's really clever, and it's also really emotional as well. It's not just about, you know, traveling through time and breaking space time. There's all kinds of other things going on as well, and as the issues mm. go on, it's going to be five issues because we've had four. So we're very nearly at the conclusion. But as things have gone on, all this different stuff's happened and you sort of see how stuff that happened back in the 70s is affected now and, you know, sort of the regrets. And it's just, it's a great character study and it's a great relationship study with a really cool time travel plot and really, really good art. And I love it a whole bunch and everyone should be reading Guilt. End of story. I am inclined to agree with you. Um, I'm. I think I've only read the first two issues so far. But as a time traveling book goes, I think they've found a way to do something interesting with the premise and to kind of not just and to change the the going back into your own body in the past is. A little bit days of future past, but works in the way that it's done. And 
I look at other books we've got at the moment, like Time Before Time, mm. and this could not be more different. That's what I like, because I love Time Before Time, and I love this, but they are totally different. Yeah, which which is good. It's what I think it's what you want from time travel stories. I think it's easy to tell time travel stories that kind of tread on each other's feet all the time and kind of get into similar areas quite easily. So it's nice to have freedom and to put your own spin on it so it's not too close to what we know. Also, not really having a time machine is nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, you've just got this weird apartment because that's where it all comes from, this apartment that's been passed to Hilda. Yeah. Which is like the epicenter of the time travel. And you've got like the doorman Edwin at the apartment block is actually like an agent of time and mm. stuff. Which, which is an interesting premise and I mean, we see it in other things. It's in things like um, uh, El Ministerio del Tempo, the Spanish kind of almost Doctor Who-esque series where they walk through doors in this ministry building to different time periods. So it's not completely new, but I think it, it does something that is different enough from time before time with their weird little time travel pods and that's that's rewarding and and i think it does but i think both books do good character work but i think they do them in different ways what i like about this is it's pretty much it's about the female characters there are male characters as well Yes. But, I mean, there's a whole, like, Hildy's entire journey through this is is intimately linked into her relationship with her best friends, mm. uh, Paulette and Vera. And it's, like, that's really refreshing to see because, pretty well, all through the books I've talked about are very male-orientated. Um, but it is it, it puts the female relationships front and centre, and we don't get a lot of that in comics where you get sort of a time travel tale that has that element to it you'll get time travel tales with you know like time before time has Nadia, who is a great female character but it's nice to have the actual focus on those female characters and you know it's the lady time travelers the guild of lady time travelers it's 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 driven guilt i know i can't remember what the i stands for no neither can i (laughs) no i need to i'll double check that um but yeah it it's nice to have female relationships kind of front and centre a little bit. Um, and, yeah, I just, I think that that's something we don't see enough of in comics generally and certainly not of... They, Guild of Independent Lady Temporalists is what guilt stands for. Okay, I'm going to forget that again. But... Yeah, I will as well, but... Yeah, the fact that it is about women and it's female-driven, like I said, it's not something that we see enough of in comics. It's something we don't really see in time travel comics either. So it's yes. just nice to have that. Um, and as someone who likes diversity in storytelling, it is nice to have that little bit of something different with your time travel. I, I completely agree. Um, and, a, and a good book, I... Don't always think Ahoy are the most consistent of publishers at times. I think some of their books, like like Guilt and Blacksmith, um, Wrong Earth, 
there are others I've been really into, but then I think Snelson and Justice Warriors haven't particularly been for me. And that's that's yeah. fine. I'm not saying everything has to be for me. Um but I'm glad I like this. I think one of my concerns is always like, I know I'm into time travel and I know yeah. I'm into like female protagonists in stories, so good. But the concern is always, but is this going to be some weird like a hoy statement Ooh. piece? And I don't understand what the statement. I don't know what Snelson was getting at. Angela, I just don't. I know I don't. Know. <laughs> I can't answer that one. I think this is for me. I mean, I like The Wrong Earth, but for me, this is my favourite Ahoy book I've read. I, I can understand that, definitely. Um, I don't know. I mean, it might be that Issue 5 completely ruins it, and uh, but I doubt it because, because it's just been so well done until this point. I think they are going to stick the landing. They have confidence. Yes, and I, I feel like there is potential with the premise to do more with this than just yeah. the five issues if they want it because you basically got the ability that it can be different characters in that apartment or yeah whatever I mean, direction a, you want there's a whole bunch of backup stories i've not read all the backup stories but there's a whole bunch mm. of those in the back that i've not even touched on um mainly because they don't have enough pictures uh, <laughs> i'm a shallow shallow person I understand what you mean, though. I, I like that, um, not Vault, I like that Hoy put the effort in of having backup stories and some of them being prose and some of them being short story comics. But there are times when I just don't get around to reading them all. And mm, I, yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, so we're on to me then again, I guess. We are. So. My final pick is, I've only just realised that all three of these have been image books. The article version will have some more range. I picked three different people. I went image, valiant, ahoy, and you just went straight down the image line. for guys I didn't even punks. think about it. I was, think, I was focusing on the books rather than who <laughs> was printing them. Um, so my third image book... <laughs> <laughs> um, which is only two issues in at the moment, mm. is I hate this place, or sometimes fuck this place. Yeah. Which is written by Kyle Starks. It is drawn by Artyom Topilin, I think. That's probably wrong, but I'm trying. Um, Coloured by Lee Luffridge and lettered by Pat Brossier. Brossier? Brossier, yeah. Your, my pronunciation is not great either, so um, It's not been that long since we covered the first issue of this. Yeah, I, mean, I thought yeah. I've, I remember this from like last month. Yeah, it's not been that long. Um, basically, this follows the story of Gabby and Trudy, who have inherited a ranch from... Gabby's auntie who has died um, and the house is basically crazy fucking haunted like 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 beyond belief haunted and as soon as it goes dark on the first night they are surrounded by ghosts but for some reason they can't get into the house so that's 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 good 
and they basically find a VHS tape from the antique that's like, hey, this is you now. You sh- ghosts are for life. If you leave, the ghosts are going to follow you. You stay, the ghosts are going to be outdoors. Crazy hearted, bro. You have no idea how hard this is. And they basically resolve to, like, you know, survive because that's the best they can hope for at this point because it's so crazy haunted. Um, as a series, I was surprised because Kyle Starks normally airs on the side of comedy. And I think this is still funny. There's a scene in issue two um, with, I think it's called Big Mike. They hire like three ranch guys, like ranchers, I believe is the term you want that. <laughs> the technical term. <laughs> to kind of help out on the farm because they don't really know how to run a cattle farm. Fair, neither do I. And there's one scene where Big Mike like takes his hat off and he's like, you know what I'd do if I was rich? And then he's there all sweet holding the <laughs> hat to his chest. He's like, I'd spoil some Russian cam girls. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me so by surprise because I think we've already had like horror in this issue. And mm-hmm. the first issue didn't really run the comedy angle. So I guess the benefit of this is that when Kyle Starks throws in the jokes, I'm never going to see him coming because he's always going to be surrounded by like ghosts and blood and UFOs and weird monsters in the woods. And I think that might be the best way to do this book to be like, here's a haunted house book that's sometimes funny. That's just a bit of a mess in its combination. Um, It's also interesting that we've got, um, a lesbian couple protagonist that are a mixed couple that I think they say at one point like you know we've survived being a mixed gay couple yeah <laughs> we can survive a house full of ghosts <laughs> I'm like yeah okay fair play let's see how this goes I, um, I don't want to judge it too much by uh, only two issues in but it's one of the Kyle Starks books I've read that doesn't have the world's greatest assassin in it, or former world's greatest <laughs> assassin, which is a surprise. However, issue three is going to have a ghost hunter in it who we see on the like, the end of issue two is this huge jacked dude. Um, so he might be our... World's greatest. Surrogate, world's greatest. He's going to be the world's assassin. greatest ghost hunter. Here's hoping. Um, <laughs> but I, I've, I've just had fun with this so far. It's been very Kyle Starks, but it's nice to see him do something that's horror rather than comedy. I mean, it's still comedy. So it's just nice to see him shake things up, especially like his the last thing that got close to horror was Old Head, which was about Dracula playing basketball. Or playing basketball with Dracula. Yeah. I don't know. Dracula was involved and so was basketball. And so was basketball. So yeah. this is more serious than that. But it's been a good two issues. And I'm looking forward. I'm not sure how long this series actually is. But I'm used to Kyle Stark's books being like five or six issues. So I'm, I'm kind of prepared for that to be the reality. 
you've set yourself up. Yeah. I've not read the second issue yet, but I read the first issue and it was good. Yeah, I think we all liked it on the show. The we did. I, we did the round yeah, I can't remember where I ranked it. One day I will go back over all the roundups and I will make the best spreadsheet and it will just show where everyone's ranked everything and how wrong will the matter. Um, I just need the empirical proof. Um, but, yeah, it, it's good. And I like that you have, I like that, you know, sort of tips the hat to mixed race gay couple. Um, yeah. But it is one of those, like, it's not shoehorned in diversity because I know sometimes it's like, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, you're just putting it in because, but they're really, they're one of my, I, that first issue, they just have a great relationship. Yeah. It's like a proper, a believable relationship. it's very believable. It's very realistic. So I really like that. Um, it's in sharp contrast, the fact that, you know, haunted house, everybody, you can't leave now. So many ghosts. Um, which is kind of a more fantastical uh, situation, but all couples have to have, you know, you know, perils to deal with and problems to deal with. It's just oh, that yeah, normally, you've got something to overcome. Yeah, it's just normally your problems aren't, you know, a whole bloody army of ghosts outside your window at night. Very true. Very very true. Generally speaking, I don't know. I can't speak to everyone. There may be people <laughs> who have experienced that. In which case, I hope you've got help. Like um, the world's greatest ghost hunter. <laughs> man, issue three is going to be something. Um, I think that might be more or less us then. I think we've covered. Yeah. Um, we will do a kind of expansion on this on the website that talks other books because I think we do have other things we could be talking I, about. I do. I do. There's, there's certainly a couple of ongoings that I want to. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is our 2022 recommendations so far. Um, head over to biggerthancapes.com probably just after this comes out. I think we'll get the article up. Um, we like comics, so yeah, we've got a lot. Yeah, We, we could have made this a lot longer. We could. There, there, there was at one point, like, how big do we make this list of discussions? Yeah, I know we both made quite long lists. And then yeah. And then I had to narrow it down, damn it. Somehow we reined it in. I'm proud of us. Well well done, us. So, on that note, mm. we have been Angela and Zach collectively bigger than capes. And yeah. we will continue to be. Unless and, you're in the alternate universe where we're just capes. Where we're just capes, all caps. <laughs> um, <laughs> and remember that comics are... Bigger, Bigger than, than capes. capes.